Welcome to Barbell Vitality Radio. I'm your host, Brent Ruska, personal trainer, yogi, and Muay Thai enthusiast. Each episode, we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock strength and vitality in your life. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Dr. Amanda Massey, and I am a sports chiropractor for people and animals across Central Texas. And so my main location is at Tiger ATX in Austin, Texas. So and that's how I met Brent. Yeah, which is super awesome. Yeah, well, you're at Tiger ATX, uh, which is a beautiful house, and you rent space in the main house. Correct, yes. My new location where I see humans and some small animals. Um, and my main practice is doing a very holistic approach to chiropractic care and just healthcare in general. Um, I have a variety of patients, everything from newborn babies to retired weekend warriors who want to keep themselves out from under the knife. So Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. How did you get into all this? So I got into chiropractic because I was playing polo and my whole family were horse people. And I've always been the one that gets hurt with the horses yeah. for some reason. And so when I was 16, I fell off of a horse that we were trying to potentially buy and train. And when I fell off, I actually fractured part of my back and it took six months of PT and luckily I didn't need surgery, but the spasms and the compression fracture created just so much pain that I was taking probably 800 milligrams of ibuprofen every day oh, man. and painkillers at night, muscle relaxers. And for a 16 year old who was developing her brain was not good combination. And so my parents ended up looking into alternatives. And so I went to see a chiropractor and after about six weeks of treatments and doing like a full body detox um, from all the medications, I was doing great. I was back to riding horses and playing polo and playing volleyball again and playing golf. Those were the sports I mainly played in high school. And so at that time I thought, wow, there's something to this quackery. but I still don't want to be a chiropractor and I went to A&M and I was planning to be a surgeon actually and because I loved my orthopedic surgeon from my youth and uh, anyways did pre-med biomedical science at Texas A&M whoop great program and then while I was in college I played polo and I hurt myself again and so my boyfriend at the time was on the cycling team And so he was like, hey, you need to go see my chiropractor. I was like, okay. And I went and saw her and she was amazing. She she, um, was also a horse girl. So of course, anyone that rides horses, they all connect with just this love for horses because they're incredible beings. Um, And so her and I just connected. And through the course of our relationship towards the end of my college career, I was just contemplating other options. And she said, Amanda, you would be a great chiropractor. You already have the background. You have the knowledge to work with horses. Just go and be an animal chiropractor and work on people too. And, and I loved the, the idea of 
not having to work a 12-hour ghost shift in the hospital and being able to make my own schedule and take care of people and animals and be able to prevent surgery, actually. So that was really exciting for me. And then I loved chiropractic school. It was totally something I was aligned to do. It was fun. Yeah, it was great. Um, I was prepared for it and met some of my best friends. Chiropractors are a weird group of people. Really? Yeah. (laughs) But you know, what's cool about um, just anyone that's in the holistic healthcare field is we all kind of unite together because we want to embrace independent thinking, free thinking, the ability to make your own decisions for your healthcare and also um, look at at um, different options, nat- more natural options for taking care of your body. That's cool. So what are some of the principles of chiropractic, like, or your personal principles, because you've done chiropractic, but I'm sure you studied lots of things in addition that you apply. And so kind of like, what are your principles when you meet somebody and you take them in and you kind of follow this kind of path with getting them better? Because you right. probably developed your own, I mean, chiropractic has it's probably its own principles and philosophy, but I'm sure yours has evolved. And so where is that kind of now? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think what is unique about my idea and my principles are there are three main factors that create dysfunction in the body and one of them being inflammation. Okay, yeah. And so inflammation causes pain. That's the main cause of pain everywhere. And um, that also creates a lot of dysfunction. Um, Inflammation can even stimulate your cells to create other inflammatory chemicals that create these physiological responses that can reduce your level of dopamine and serotonin. And so it has more than just a pain factor. It can also affect your brain chemistry, your the way your gut, your digestive system works. And so inflammation is usually the first thing that I like to talk about and look at. Um, the second thing is the nervous system. So that's the main chiropractic principle is addressing if there's a blockage or some sort of reduction in how the nervous system from the brain communicates to the body. And so that's where the adjustments come in. And and there's different adjusting techniques. There's a lot of like gentle techniques. There's manual like popping techniques. It doesn't matter what the technique is. Every human's different and their body needs a different thing. Mm-hmm. But enabling that nerve to fire correctly from the brain to the body is the main objective there. And then once the nerve is firing correctly, then the muscle will activate correctly. And then you can build your muscles properly to stabilize a joint if there's been an injury or something like that. Um, And the fascia is the third thing. Fascia is huge. I love, love working with fascia. That's my favorite thing. And what we're finding now is that that actually has more of an impact on the nervous system than anything. Oh, interesting. And so because it covers every muscle, every nerve in your whole body and connects it to the joints and other structures. Because there's giant fascial lines that run top to bottom, right? Right, exactly. And so a lot of the science that's going into studying fascia is actually proving a lot of alternative medicine theories that were developed thousands of years ago by acupuncturists and um, other body workers throughout the world. 
And so looking at how fascia connects the the body together is huge. And that I think is probably the number one way to help hold adjustments. Because if you make an adjustment to the system and the fascia isn't ready for it, the fascia is not going to allow that adjustment to happen. It's going to go back a lot of times. Yeah. So what are some fascia? Like what do you do for fascia? manually and then what do you prescribe people do outside right so there's a lot of things that people can do themselves to help keep their fascia healthy and supple and one of the biggest things is hydration okay hydration is key having the correct electrolyte balance foam rolling is great there's a ton of cool fascial tools out there like balls foam roller the hook the cane, yeah. the stick. Is the gastron a fascial tool? The what? Gas, gastron, get that stabby thing. That, oh, the Graston, Graston. tool? Graston, <laughs> yeah, there the we go. Stabby <laughs> <laughs> the stabby knife. The thing that leaves all the, the bruising knife. on you. <laughs> Everyone calls it the knife. Uh, yes, or it's called a, like my um, instrument-assisted myofascial release. If you don't use a Graston tool, the general... General, because you can call it gua sha, you can call it Graston Factor. All these different companies yeah. have um, patented their specific way to use this tool to do the same thing. It basically breaks up adhesions, breaks up scar tissue, stimulates blood flow, mm. helps smooth fascial lines if there's some sort of folded, kinked, or even um, twisted type fascial adhesion you can use those tools to help break that up and smooth it out and allow for better mobility. So it's all for mobility, right? And so if you're not getting correct mobility because of a muscle guarding or just not having the correct biomechanics there, then you're not going to be able to push your muscles to end range. And you're, you're fighting against the fascia. Yeah. So would you say that stretching isn't enough? Correct. Yeah. I wish stretching was enough, but it's not. Um, stretching, and there's different ways to stretch also. Ooh, one thing I definitely want to put out there for everybody, I had a conversation with someone last night because they fell off their horse and pulled their groin, and it's such a common thing with horse people to pull your groin, but also just male athletes who don't stretch. Yeah. You pull your groin, and you feel this pain, and you're like, oh, I need to stretch it out. So you keep stretching it and it keeps getting worse. When you don't stretch, then you overstretch a muscle and possibly tear fibers in the tendons where they attach to your pelvis. Uh, As you stretch it more, it starts to fray like yarn and it just kind of frays and becomes worse. And so you never want to stretch a torn muscle. Always want to foam roll that. Good idea. That's that's good. That's good advice. Pro tip for everybody out there. Don't stretch your groin when you pull it, foam roll it. So, because then it just gets worse. Yeah. So, foam rolling and KT tape are best for pulled groins. Okay, cool. Just a tip because of how the fascia is in that area. It's not meant to be overstretched. You got to stretch it when it's warm. And when you're already warmed up, you've got the blood flowing in that area. And then you can do some like long, slow stretching in the adductor area, adductor and hamstrings. Oh my gosh. Those are the top pulled muscles that I see probably just from not, not um, being ready for the 
load when you're doing a lift or doing some sort of explosive activity. Do you give people a general warm up or protocol you like people to do before they do an activity for warming up the fascia? Like just a foam rolling protocol? Yeah, that's always good. Foam rolling's great. Um, even just something simple as jogging, walking on a treadmill, a little bike, a little rowing. I love rowing. Rowing machine is my so favorite. Good, yeah, because yeah, you work the whole body and can get warmed up that way. Um, that's a great thing. Bridges, glute bridges are really good. Nice. Those, those are probably my favorites as far as warm-up goes. Yeah. So some way of contracting the muscle, stretching at the same time, and then getting blood flow. Yeah, getting blood flow is yeah. huge. And that foam roll, I imagine, is kind of getting the hydration to move through the muscles a little bit, right? Yes. And also, whenever you exercise, your body creates lactic acid as a byproduct of muscle breakdown and just bringing, you have to use electrolytes and other chemicals in your body to create that muscle fire, muscle contraction. So if you contract, release, contract, release over time, that creates lactic acid. And so the foam rolling helps smooth the muscle out and push that lactic acid into the lymphatic system where it can drain. And so if your drain through your urine, basically goes into the, gets filtered by the kidneys and then you pee that out as urine. And um, that's how your body cleans itself. It's pretty amazing. That's super cool. Yeah. So take me back to when you hurt yourself the first time off the horse. So you broke your back? Yes. And then what was the protocol? So what happened exactly? And then what was the protocol and the things you did, A, to get off the, well, then you got on meds, right? Right. Yeah. How did you get off meds? What was, like, did you eat differently? And what was the experience like? And then what were were the things that this chiropractor at the time prescribed and you did? And how long did it take? Okay. So, and this has happened to me a couple times, actually. But this specific time, I was training a horse and horse took off. How old are you at this time? I was 16. Okay, cool. And so, so dumb. Should have been in an arena or a pen. I'll never do this again, ever. (laughs) But it was a four-year-old and we put a saddle on and it was easy to tack up. And I just thought, oh, it's really nice. It'll be great. Yeah. And then, of course, I got on and started trotting and then horse wasn't responding to cues. So I asked, I, the horse started going faster and faster and faster. By the time... I was just running around this field out of control. And, um, (laughs) and um, oh my gosh. And it's interesting when you train horses, when you're riding a lot of horses that I am used to training for polo, they, they move away from pressure. So this horse was used to moving away from pressure with the neck reining cues, but whoever trained that horse, leg yielding, the horse moved towards the leg pressure. So super confused horse was very confused by my cues because my legs were telling it to go one direction my hands were telling it to go the other so the horse was getting confused and pretty pissed yeah and so he just kept going and then ran me into a tree where I basically flipped off and landed right on my back and that like basically didn't stick the landing (laughs) just landed right on my butt yeah which compressed the spine and then at that transition zone between thoracics and lumbar caused a compression fracture there yeah 
um, and multiple disc herniations that I'm oh, still dealing with man. to this day. But, um, you know, that's why I became a chiropractor so I can totally yeah. help my body not so I can continue riding horses yeah. and not be all messed up. Um, so after doing physical therapy and opiates for about four to six months, then at a young age, that's, that's strong on the body and the mind. Really bad. And so I developed depression because I couldn't play the sports that I wanted. Yeah. And I wasn't able to do the things the rest of my family did. They didn't stop their lives to, because I couldn't do it. So I was just very isolated in how I felt. And so that was just a really dark time for me. Um, I just didn't, of course, when you're 16, you don't look at the future. You just think about the now. And that's something that I'm glad that I had the intervention that I did because it just could have ended badly uh, just because of how depressed and just very spiral of death. I was going down a dark, dark dark path. Definitely. Um, But anyways, so started seeing this chiropractor who was doing adjustments and also got me started on what's now known as the Standard Process Cleanse. Standard Process is a nutritional company here in the U.S. And they make products that are all food-based and have very high-quality standards. And at that time, I didn't know that, but basically was drinking like vegetable protein, like protein derived from broccoli and cruciferous vegetables. Okay. To help bind to some of those byproducts that were in my liver. And so when your liver has chemical byproducts emulsified in fat, your liver's doing that to protect you. But over time, those pro- those byproducts emulsified in fat just accumulate. And then it creates a heavier toxic load in your body, making it difficult for the liver to do its job cleaning the body. It's just storing crap in there basically if you don't allow it to clean itself. And so basically did smoothies and straight up just vegetables, fish, chicken, no dairy, no wheat, gluten, grains, and um, no sugar for six weeks. And that helped just take some of that load off of my digestive system to help my body push some of that stuff out that had been holding on to. Yeah. And just reduce the inflammation that was in the body, which causes the pain. And so by reducing that inflammation, that allowed me to get off of the painkillers because I didn't need them because the inflammation was throughout the whole system was lowered significantly. That's a really strong experience. Right. And I think not everyone has the willpower to do that, but it is so beneficial for people who are in chronic pain to start slowly eliminating sugar and processed grains and dairy because those things, those foods break down into sugar quickly and create a really difficult time for the liver and your other organ systems to digest other foods. It takes away the energy to actually get rid of things that need to leave the body. Right. And it also uses up energy to absorb the nutrients Okay. Yeah. That from the other foods in your body. So even if you eat a pound of spinach a day, 
and you eat three pounds of meat, it's going to be more difficult for your body to digest the meat than the spinach. And you'll still absorb the nutrients from the spinach, but sometimes it's more difficult to get the full benefit of the spinach when you have that much meat going through the digestive tract. Got it. So you do want to have like, you do want to have your protein to carb ratios correct, but not so much from a macro standpoint, more from a what has the most nutrient density Got to it. put through your body. You want to put foods that have nutrient density in there. Got it. So you then you went through them for six weeks mm-hmm. and then you came out feeling a lot better. Yeah. Yeah. And then what, what was your, your back was feeling at what what at that point? Pretty good. I still wore a back brace and like built up my strength, but it took probably a total year to get my strength back. But when you're 16 and you're out of pain, you start doing your activities that you normally do. And so yeah. I was like, great, I'm going to go run. I'm going to go to track practice, golf practice. I'm just going to start doing everything. And I did. And it was great. And I just weaned myself off of ibuprofen eventually and basically went to the chiropractor once a week, then every two weeks, then once a month for years. And then went to college and kind of kept up with chiropractic care just as maintenance or as a oh shit, I need help moment. Like, help me. I'm broken. I have to do this polo <laughs> tournament this weekend. Yeah. Chop, chop, fix we, me. Uh, let's go. Yeah, so I was definitely in like that mode when I was in college because of my budget. And so I understand that from a doctor perspective too because I have patients that yeah. are really good about their wellness care. And then I have a lot of patients who are very much a like, fix me when I need you. And that's totally okay either way. Um Long-term benefits are definitely seen if you're getting more regular chiropractic care. But um, from a just a holistic perspective, making sure your nerves are communicating properly to your muscles, especially if you're an elite athlete, every little movement counts versus someone that's maybe not an elite athlete but has a physical job. They just need to be able to do their job. And so I'm happy to kind of jump in wherever they need me. Yeah, it sounds like you have a great blend between holistic and then you have, you're, because you're an athlete since a very young age and a strong athlete, I mean, riding horses and getting thrown off is <laughs> yeah. no joke. <laughs> that takes a special, strong-minded person uh, get back that you on can the horse. deal with somebody who's <laughs> like, you're like, I understand that mindset. I need to fucking get out there and play. Yeah, And you're like, I totally get it. Yeah. Yeah. So I have a lot of people who they ask me like, well, should I stop doing my activities? No, you need to do it. You need to tr- test it out, see how it feels, and then come back and we'll fix it. The only times you need to stop doing activities is if you have a broken bone, really. Yeah. A lot of times because there, you need to keep things moving. If you don't move it, you lose it. 100%. And then the second injury so then you injured yourself a second time. This was in college, right? In college, yes. So then what happened this time? Oh, my gosh. Also thrown off a horse? Ooh, yeah. <laughs> this one was really bad, actually. Um, I was playing oh, even in a, worse than a tournament. Several- oh, my God. And I don't even know if this horse is still alive, but rest in peace, Sade. <laughs> Sade, oh, that's a good name. This horse from Texas Tech it was like a little white horse. And with in college, so... Fun thing about college polo and any kind of equestrian sport, I'm pretty sure the equestrian team does it the same way. 
all the all the horses are donated. So, and then you're expected to keep it fair because there's so many people with like stupid money in horse sports to keep it fair to make sure that you as the rider are being judged and it's not the horse's abilities. I have to ride the horse and then someone on the other team has to ride the horse during the same game. And so I rode this horse and it's so funny over the course of the season, this horse threw off every single one of my teammates, but I was the first one to ride it and we were waiting to have the ball hit in and I was at a standstill and I asked the horse to turn and I gave it a little leg to get it to move forward and turn at the same time. And the horse just reared straight up and almost slipped over and I fell off. Luckily the horse didn't fall on me. Holy shit. But um, basically this is kind of like multiple stories in one. I basically separated my shoulder and may have like just sprained the rib cage really badly. I couldn't lift my arm past 90 degrees after that. And it messed up the rib cage in the back on the left side of my body. So, but I was really stubborn at that time. And I basically just said, okay, my chiropractor, she fixed me up, went off to play polo in New York the next weekend. And it was a tournament called the snow tournament and super fun tournament. A lot of my friends got to play in it. And, um, we're playing against this UConn team, which is really good. And we were really good friends with UConn. But one of the girls on the team, she was just a scrappy player, still is. And um, I was good friends with one of the girls on the team because we played together in high school. And then the scrappy player, we didn't play with each other as much, so I didn't know her. Very intimidated by her. And so she's riding me off. And when you're playing polo, you actually make physical contact, and like shoulder-to-shoulder contact. Well, she was basically sitting in my lap, pushing into my injured shoulder. And I thought, I'm going to fall off. She's going to literally knock me off my horse. And so at one point during the game, she was riding me off. And I took my mallet hand and I just slugged her in the face. Knocked her helmet (laughs) off in front of everybody. And luckily, like, she took it like a champ. This girl's tough as, like, tough as fuck. I love her. Damn. Um, Anyways, I got a technical. We lost the game. And her and I actually made up after we're cool, but um, it was totally one of those things where it was just part of the game and she didn't know that I had an injury and she's just a tough player. Um, But that actually was one of those things that got me kind of a bad rap for a while. (laughs) No one would know that story, but um, unless you were, this was like 10, 15 years ago. Um, But that was how... I injured my back the second time. Okay. And so that took, that was my senior year and it did cost me some championships because of that injury. Um, I think. And so it was, it was a big deal. Okay. So what exactly was wrong again with your back? Oh, well at that time it was just a, it was a sprain strain injury. Got it. I'd separated the shoulder, which is where the scapula gets overstretched okay. from the collarbone and then yeah. it just stretches. It sometimes tears those ligaments that attach it together, oh. but it should be okay. It's okay now. Brutal. What yeah. was it? What was the recovery for that? That was okay. I mean, the chiropractor really helped me there. Honestly, that was, it didn't take too long. That was probably four to six weeks. Nice. That's a quick comeback. That's yeah. Great. Quick comeback. 
This lady was amazing. And you're still riding. You you play three times a week now still. Polo. Mm, not as consistently. I try. I'm kind of, it's starting to kind of become the polo season right now. So I'm trying to ride and as much as I can and just stay fit. Yeah. Um, but I'm not as competitive now. I'm mainly coaching and just playing for fun. I'm not competitive. I like to kind of tootle around and hit the ball around and that's about it now. I don't yeah. like to um, get hurt or hurt other people anymore. <laughs> I'm not a bruiser like I used to be. <laughs> just out there having fun now. Yeah, now I'm just, everyone thinks I'm nice now, but I have that very competitive side mm-hmm. and um, I just don't let it out as often as I have in the past. That's cool. Yeah. So how long have you been playing? And I think when we talked a while ago, you have a very interesting story of where you grew up and how you're kind of, seems like your family's philosophy is kind of centered around horse stuff, horse stuff, which is so cool. Yeah. We are, we are definitely addicted. Well, actually, so when I was seven years old, my parents bought a farm in Northeast Texas and my sister and I were riding our neighbor's horses and they took off. And we're running across the field. And at that time, we didn't know how to ride horses. We were just riding our neighbor's horses. Well, I fell off and broke my femur. Oh. And so <laughs> almost died there. And I think you're indestructible at this point. Maybe. <laughs> I don't have any metal in my body, thank God. Hey, that's good. So that's good um, for now. Yeah, I can't wait till they make stem cells cheaper. I'm just going to like... Just start injecting them like crazy. Yeah, it's going to be invincible. <laughs> but... um. Anyway, so I broke my femur and basically after they had to put pins in, then you get the cast on. It takes 12 weeks just to get out of the wheelchair basically with a femur break that bad. And then by that time, my dad got a job in Indonesia. And so he's like, well, no physical therapy for you. Off to Indonesia. So we just (laughs) flew across the world and um, my physical therapy was playing goalie, goalkeeper on soccer, on the soccer team and swimming because I had gained all this weight and my mom was like, you're fat, you need to go swim. Oh, that's a whole nother psychological problem. Oh, parents. <laughs> like, exactly. I'm like, oh gosh, you can't have a fat kid. go, And especially in Indonesia, oh. and I don't know, Asian culture, like these women are so petite. Yeah. You can't even find clothes. When I was seven years old, I had to buy my clothes in America and ship them there. I couldn't buy clothes at the mall in yeah. Indonesia. Adult female clothes were too small for my seven-year-old body at oh, that time. It was probably wild. like 80 pounds. I mean, I was a big kid. Yeah, yeah. But um, still, yeah. So we decided, let's learn how to ride properly. So my parents, my sister and I, we all took riding lessons together. And my dad got bored with the whole riding around in a circle dressage type of thing and so he said he started going out to the polo club in jakarta and it was so much fun so my parents would drop my sister and off we'd do our little jumping lesson they would go play polo and then we'd all barbecue and that was our weekend every weekend it was so fun and so we were addicted and by the time we moved back to the states in 2001 that was the first thing we did was Basically, my dad was like, well, do you guys want to live in the city or do you want to have horses? And we were like, horses, (laughs) yay. And so basically we plopped a mobile home on the property and bought six horses. This is amazing. And 
it was we didn't know we didn't know what we were doing actually we had <laughs> we had a little electric fence around the trailer yeah and we built a barn but i remember turning we had two geldings and four mares oh, you never want to do that because the geldings oh. will fight over the females like they want to have their girlfriends yeah we just turned them all together and so french kiss was the dominant gelding and then greyhound was the, the least dominant gelding and yeah. so Greyhound got his ass whooped every day. <laughs> and they were just running around the front yard, basically. That's so cool. It was so redneck, but really fun way to grow up, actually. Um, and so that's how our family's priorities yeah. have always been, um, which is it's so cool. really fun. It seems very connected to nature and animals. And, oh, yeah. Yeah, which leads me to think, you know, it makes sense why you – kind of gravitated towards chiropractic with animals. Right. And so tell me a little bit about chiropractic with animals. So how does that work and what are the benefits and then what kind of people come to you with these animals? Okay. So the how I got started with animal chiropractic, um, there's a really great animal chiropractor who's also a vet named Dr. Bill Ormston. And we had a horse that had a hip injury. We thought we were going to have to sell her or put her down. Like she, we didn't think she'd ever play polo again. Um, and he came out and within three adjustments over the course of, I think, four months doing the adjustments and then doing the rehab hill work, rehab exercises for her, she was back to playing polo in four to six months, which was amazing because it's such a difficult sport for horses because they have to be able to stop, turn, accelerate. They're basically football players. They have to be very agile. Yeah. And so he inspired me really and truly to become an animal chiropractor in addition to Dr. Carly because she was also an animal chiropractor. And um, I just wanted to be able to work with horses and not go to vet school and help animals heal and perform. And with dogs, it's super rewarding. I didn't think I would enjoy that, but um, especially like dachshunds or older dogs that have longer backs and shorter legs, Okay, they are more prone to disc injuries. And so after having my own disc injuries and then seeing these dogs that their only hope is a $10,000 surgery or being euthanized and to be able to help these animals um, that's live, that's like huge. save their life basically yeah. is huge. And it's not 100% successful. Chiropractic sometimes can't um, correct a severe spinal cord injury, but if it is related to a pinched nerve or a disc injury where the disc is pressing on the nerve and creating some paralysis or numbness or pain, the chiropractic is amazing for dogs in that way because within one or two adjustments, usually the dog is walking normally. That's a, that's so cool. Yeah, it's the coolest thing. And so that's something, just there's no placebo effect. You can't. The dog doesn't know what you're doing. They, a lot of times, don't like it because it hurts a little bit. And then they feel better and they're like, oh, okay, this is okay. It's like rough petting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, oh, I get this now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's something that's really rewarding. I am so thankful to have the career that I have because I'm able to help animals and people. And at the end of the day, I get to be like, wow, I helped someone today. And that just mentally is something that is so satisfying. And I, when with all this COVID stuff, I had a, a whole month where I didn't work at all. 
because my job is so hands-on and not being able to be hands-on with people, trying to go virtual, trying to help people via phone. It was so difficult for me mentally. I mean, I was so depressed in April because I couldn't physically touch people or their animals and I was so isolated. So I think for me, I, I get a lot of love from other people that way. And so it was, it was tough. I'm, I can't not do my job. I'll be doing this till I'm, till I die. I feel the same way. It's just like, if I didn't, if I had all the money in the world, you just have people come over and help them out and yeah. make them feel good. Right. Right. Yeah. I think that's what you were talking about. The, the holistic wellness community in general, we're like a bunch of crazies who all are on the same wavelength. of right. just needing this giving energy and receiving that energy back. Right. And, and we would just be that way regardless of trying to make money or survive or anything. Totally. And I love that because like just since I've been working with you, just getting that f- fulfillment from the workout and feeling proud of myself and excited and just having taking pride in my body and how it's moving and being able to do things that I didn't do before in a short amount of time is really exciting too. And I love that. And I can tell you like it too because you're getting... We're both getting energy from those experiences and it's just yeah. a win-win. It's this synergistic experience. It's super cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's like we're we're succeeding together. Mm-hmm. It's super fun. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then I had one more question. I wanted to go back to the nutrition part. Okay. Uh, for you, I know we can't be giving out nutrition advice necessarily uh, super specific, but for you... What are some nutrition things you've noticed over the years that you apply or always fall back towards as kind of like your guiding principles that you like to implement to feel the best, get inflammation down, have your nervous system working at optimal levels? What have you found for you specifically that works really well? Oh, my favorite things for myself. Hydration is key and electrolyte balance is number one. And so one of my favorite tr- like tips for helping with that is celery juice. So if you're feeling like something's not right in your system from a metabolic standpoint or trying to reduce inflammation systemically throughout the whole body, starting with starting your day or even finishing your day with celery juice, just straight up juice a whole thing of celery drink it, see what happens. Because all the salts from the celery juice, they help your gut heal itself, but it also gives you that, just that hydration that your body needs to process all the things that you've been exposed to throughout the day. So that's that's one of my favorites, I would say for myself, that I like to do at least once a year, sometimes twice a year, just start my day with celery juice. I don't even change my diet. I just do the celery juice and it makes a huge difference. That's great. And what's one other thing? Probably the next thing would be um, vegetables. People are not getting enough fiber and enough green leafy vegetables. So meal prepping some greens and just putting them like three times a day, basically like spoon some greens with your eggs and your rice in the morning Greens for lunch, either as a salad or as a rice bowl. Greens for dinner, like greens, greens, greens. Because all those antioxidants 
And there's a ton of protein and greens and calcium. People think, oh, you get all your calcium from milk. No, you do not need milk or cows to get your calcium. Especially if it's creating inflammation and your pH is off, then you're going to be leaching calcium. Yes, yes. Oh, I could go down down the, I'm a hater on dairy, just so everybody knows. (laughs) That's all I got to say. Yeah. No, I totally get it. Dairy is. There's uh, a lot of evidence to back it up. Yeah. And especially if. You know, the way, if you look at a lot of cultures, the way dairy was meant to be eaten was very aged, so you can process it, and not a lot of it, right? It was very, not a lot. Uh, And there's also a big difference between the types of cows and the types of milk that there are around the world, and then the casing protein makeup and all that. So Mm -hmm. uh, in general, we're not baby calves. We don't need to be consuming a bunch of dairy. Yeah. But God, I love cheese and wine. Oh, I yeah. mean, cheese, <laughs> that's like, you get this huge dopamine hit from those two things. And there were times in my life where hard day, emotional eating, where do I go? I go for the wine and the brie every time. <laughs> yeah, that's super good. Yeah. That's awesome. So I get it from an emotional eating standpoint. It yeah. makes you feel good. Yep. When I'm lazy, because, so paying for juices is ridiculous except for when you think about paying for juices when you don't have to clean it up because i used mm-hmm. to have a juicer cleaning up after making juice is uh awful yeah. <laughs> it's so awful i used to work at a juice place too and cleaning the massive juicer takes so much effort so i sometimes go to central market they actually have you see them with those industrial juicers in the back and they're making all these different varieties of fresh juice they have like pure lime juice, pure green mm. juice with no fruit in it at all. And so I'll buy a bunch of those and I'll just drink them throughout the week. Those are really nice. Ooh, and whether yeah. they're expensive to people or not, I think they're, it's like investing in your health insurance to me, right? It's like getting that giant burst of nutrients into the blood is, and you're going to have that celery and the hydration. It's so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm on the same page. More dark greens, more vegetables all the time. Yeah, those are pretty much the two, top two. Because everyone's bodies respond to food differently. So everyone needs a different diet. Totally. that's totally okay. That's why I want to know what was best, what you noticed. And I feel like there are some, uh, you know, things that resonate with most people, but to different degrees. And then from there, people need to kind of explore what works best. Yeah, I would say the only people who may not respond to more greens are histamine. People have a histamine reaction or mast cell activation. Oh, interesting. They have autoimmune, there's an autoimmune condition. And that is tricky because those okay. people don't absorb their their nutrients very well. Okay, that's... And their body just reacts to everything. So that's, that's a tough one um, as far as diet goes. Sweet. But yeah. Awesome. Well, this was super fun. One more question. Final, final question. Yes. What is your favorite thing about Austin? Oh, yeah. I'm so glad you're here in Austin now. <laughs> Thank you. I am too. Because I love place, the vibe. Yeah. It's one of my favorite cities in the whole country. And um, probably my favorite thing about Austin would be the Greenbelt and Barton Springs. And so whether you want to go to Barton Springs Pool or you want to just jump on the springs via the trail, you could do whatever you want. You could literally run around topless in the woods if you want to. You can pump up a floaty and bring a little cooler and just camp out and have a little picnic in the park. 
with your dog. You can meditate, go for a walk, go for a run, mountain bike. You can do so much on the trail system in Austin, Texas. It's amazing. It's my favorite thing. I love it. Yeah. Well, sweet. Thank you for being on the podcast. Yeah. Thank you for having me. This was so much fun. I appreciate it. We'll do it again for sure. Okay, great. Well, thank you so much for being here to listen all the way through to episode six. I really appreciate it. Make sure you like, subscribe, follow, share this with somebody who would love and benefit from hearing this. This is going to be my second podcast I've posted consecutively in a row, uh, week to week, trying to post every Thursday, so that makes me super happy, continually reaching out and trying to connect with as many people as I can. The thing I love about podcasting is it's much like personal training for me. I've been a personal trainer for 15 years, and for me, personal training is about mastery, right? And we all have this thing or we should seek out this thing in our lives that we continually do develop and work on. And there is never an end in sight with this craft that we continue to develop. And podcasting is this new thing uh, that I'm excited to continually work on until I'm 60 years old and get better at. Hopefully, I make some money off of it. That would be amazing. But if not, it's super fun getting into the flow state, having conversations with people, And I learned so much, and this is really what it's like personal training all day long is getting to have these deep, intimate conversations, and this is kind of where this sparked from is I wish people knew these stories I was having, these conversations I was having with people, and so now I'm trying to share those with you so that you can take whatever it is you feel like you resonate or you gravitate towards or touches you, and you can apply it to your own life. Uh, We all have things we can teach each other, and everybody has a story. Everybody's been through shit, no matter black, white, whatever country you're from, whatever sex you identify with, all that shit. We all have suffered. We've all gone through shit. We all have wisdom. We are all unique individuals, and we all have something to offer. So hopefully this podcast continues to grow and It is people like you listening, taking the time to share this and listen that I really do appreciate it. I will see you on the next one.